What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to VCast, where church and culture come together. Uh, do that great thing that you do and go ahead and give us a like if you haven't. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, this month, we're going to be talking about the battlefield in our minds because there is a war going on in our minds with anxiety and all sorts of things. But we know that if we are able to change our mind, then God can change our life. Enjoy. What's going on, Viva Church? This is Jacob. Today, I'm here with a special guest, Axel. How What's you doing, up, Axel? I'm doing good, man. How are I'm you? Good. I'm doing Honored phenomenal. To be here. Yeah, man. You're doing phenomenal. You are phenomenal. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. I needed that. <laughs> I needed that. Um, so today, this this month, this series that we're going to be going over is um, I Declare War. Yeah. Um, it's something that uh, we just as a church thought we needed to talk about. And um, we're excited to talk about it. No, um, most definitely, bro. Yeah, um, bringing you in, I was actually really excited because I knew that you are someone knowledgeable in the word, and I was just hey, like, man, bro, bro no, yeah, know? it's definitely an honor to be here and to just, man, share with such great minds like uh, yourself and talking to Pastor Jeremy as well. It's just been incredible just to see how everything has developed just in this episode. So I'm really excited to just go through it with you guys. Yeah, man, let's let's get into it. So um, basically, with I declare war. It's about winning the war in our minds, yeah. right? And um, because there is a spiritual battle going on within us. Yeah. And um, what we want to talk about throughout this series is replacing the lies that we have been told yeah. with God's truth. So good, bro. Um, and um, when we had talked about this, you had actually brought up John 17, 17, which is what yes. we made our anchor verse yeah, yeah. for so, all of it. So it's sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. That's what Jesus prays over his disciples, over he uh, over them before he ascends back into heaven um, and before he's even crucified. And that's the one thing that Jesus wants them to really be just rooted in and just established. And it is his word, which is the fullness of truth. Yeah. And um, that's when it says sanctify, that's the the part that I look at the most because yes. we know that sanctification is a process yeah. of sort of being soaked in the truth. We, yeah. we are sanctified daily, yeah. every single day being sanctified. So when it's sanctify them in your truth, it, this isn't something that th- it's exactly why it's a war. Yeah. Because wars take period. It's a long yeah. battle going yeah. over a certain time period, and we need to be sanctified in that. That's so truth. good, man. Yes. For day sure. after day, being sanctified and it going back to it, um, it's just something that we need to do. So, um, as Christians, there are many lies that we battle with. Yeah. Um, lies from the enemy, and even lies that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Yeah. So we For must sure. replace those lies with the truth of God in order to win the war that is happening over us. Um, I remember one time I was at work and my boss, he's my supervisor, and it was a really weird question, especially coming from my boss, but I thought it was a really good one. Mm-hmm. And he sat me down and he was like, Jacob, <clears throat> do you think that there's a difference between the mind and the brain? Mm. And I was like, that seems like a weird question to ask me <laughs> right now, but... um. You know, me being a Christian, I said, well, I think that there's a difference between the heart and the brain. And I knew what he was getting at, right? Because an understanding of the mind wasn't something that early Jews had a concept of. Sure. Right? Like, they didn't um, study the brain enough. They didn't know about the conscience or anything like that. And that's what he's referring to. He's like, is there a difference between your subconscious and your brain? And I said, well, I know Jesus talks about this. Yes. Right? He talks about um, the heart is equal to the mind right yeah. out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks yeah and i know that this is something that you had um 
talked yeah, about when you no, were with so us. Yeah, so like in, in, in the Jewish context, you know, talking about the heart and mind, they're essentially one and the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't, they didn't have like anatomy where they can go in and they can dissect people. It wasn't like that before. And essentially, in essence, what they talked about was how the heart and mind really just talked about the essence of who a person was. Everything that a person was, their soul and their being was the heart and mind. And, and, and those two words were synonymous of each other. The mind would be used to talk about the essence of the human or the heart would be talked about to be the essence of the human. But it's essentially the center of who a human is and, and, and the focal point for all their emotions, for all their, for all their actions and for who they are. That's their heart and mind. They're one and the same. And that was the essence of who a person was in Jewish thought. Yeah. Um, that's amazing, bro. Because we when when we see Jesus talk in Luke 6, 45, he yeah. says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, and here, when I was reading it and going over it, I was like, yeah. you know, that's a weird statement to make. Mm-hmm. Because at, at least in modern science, we've studied the brain enough where yeah. we know that the brain is responsible for all our actions. Yeah. In a sense, right? Yeah, it sends sure. out the signals when we move our hands. When sure. we speak, the brain is responsible for that. But Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. Um, Jesus isn't making a scientifically correct claim. Sure. Right? He's not trying to be um, scientifical, biologically correct. What he's yeah. saying is that there's an issue in your heart, mm. which is why you speak that way. Yeah. There's an issue in your heart, which is why you act yeah. that way. Um. And it's just crazy to see. I, I remember there was um, um, some apologist that I was listening to. And he says that the greatest thing that Jesus ever did was expose the heart mm. of humanity to yes. themselves. That's so right? good. Um, that's something that we see in the Bible a lot. Yeah. It's sort of like um, a magnifying glass. Yeah. Exposing the problems that we don't see ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what Jesus comes down to do. Yeah. So hearing him say this. And understanding the Jewish context, we see that he's pinpointing something that yeah. he's bringing out of us something that's wrong with us. Yeah. And it's the heart. Exactly. And, and that's what he came to, to fight. Yeah. Um, but we see that the enemy also attacks the heart. Yes, well. of course. In, right. in the same way that Jesus is exposing the darkness within us, the enemy is also using that to his advantage. One yeah. thing that I know the enemy does is he, he takes what... Jesus says he takes what God says and mm. he'll kind of twist it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um we kind of see that in the garden as well. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean in in Genesis, when we, we look at Genesis three and we look at the deception of Adam and Eve, it all starts when, you know, Eve is tempted by the snake and the snake tells her, you know, like, did God really tell you this? Did God yeah. really yeah. actually tell you not to eat of the fruit? And he starts to he starts to question what God says and put before her some new option. And I believe that one of the greatest tactics of the enemy, not just for Adam and Eve, but for our lives, is that the enemy will make us believe that whatever he is offering before us in the moment is better than what God has to offer. And it's so interesting because here on earth, Satan works in the temporal, right? This is not an eternal reality, mm-hmm. but he, he speaks temporarily what is beneficial in our eyes or in the flesh's eyes or in his eyes for us. And he, he brings us into this place of thinking that this would be beneficial for us. But everything that God speaks comes out of the abundance of eternity. 
It comes out of the abundance and the fullness of who he is. It's never ending. It's full of life. It's, it, it's, full, it's full of who he is. And he speaks that over us. But in those moments of temptation, what tends to happen is that Satan makes us believe that what's before us in the temporal is better than what God has to offer in the eternal. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just like, like you were bringing up, he was talking about how, um, you know, God told them when they eat of this fruit, they will surely die. And yes. What does Satan do? Will you die? Really? Yeah. Exactly. And they eat and we obviously see that they didn't die. Yeah. Right. They go on and they have kids. But did God lie to them? No. He didn't. Yeah. Um, we know that as, especially according to the Bible, that sin is death. Yeah. And sin leads to death. Yeah. And this is exactly what God is speaking of. So did Satan lie? Not really. Yeah. He didn't tell them the full truth. Yeah. He's saying, did, will you die? Not in the way that you're thinking. Yeah. You won't die. Yeah. Right. So they were like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So then I'll eat of it. And yeah. then. They died, but a spiritual death. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Satan didn't tell them. Yeah. So Satan, he's crafty in the way that he does things. And, and I know that um, as a church, we you, I know we've always seen like the the enemy as like, you know, we're stomping on him. He's below our yeah. feet, but he's a crafty individual. Yeah. And he's smart. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we're not always wary of. Yeah. And that's why in First Peter, mm -hmm. he always tells us to be careful. Yeah, right? exactly. First Peter 5, 8, what does he say? I'm going to paraphrase. He says, be sober minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a lion. Yeah. Right? For um, sure, man. Be alert because he's he's watching and, and he's right. going to wait for you to put your guard down. He knows how to fight. He's been yeah. alive for how long? No, longer than us. Yeah, longer than us. He's been alive <laughs> for thousands and thousands for and sure. thousands of years and he understands the art of war. He's not yeah. going to wait for you to bring your guard up. He's going to wait until you're not, yeah. um, when you're not watching. Yeah. When you're, when you're down, when you, when, when, you know, you're not in that state of mind as a Christian when you're yeah. not reading your Bible, yeah. when you're not, you know what I mean? Like when you're no, not going to church sure, and, exactly. and you're not doing the things that a Christian should do, you slowly begin to um, lose that. And I know that maybe in our lives, we've even seen that ourselves. Yeah, that sure. I've stopped reading my Bible and all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, bro. You're like spiritually weaker. And I'm and I catch yeah. myself in sin. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? No, yeah. And it's because sure. I haven't picked up my Bible in yeah. weeks. It's because I haven't prayed mm. in weeks. So now he sees the perfect opportunity because I've let my guard down. Yeah, and I actually wanted to like just add on to like something that you said before that in the church, you know, like we talk about like stomping on the head of the devil and stuff like that. And yes, I totally 100% agree that we have authority by the blood of Jesus over the works of the enemy, which is death ultimately. But we have to remember that he is a spiritual being. And it talks about in Jude that even the angel, you know, the, the arch, one of the archangels did not, you know, like t come against Satan in his own strength. But he said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord, my God, in the name of Jesus. You know, and I think that oftentimes we, we want to think of ourselves as too strong. And we don't realize that the tactics of the enemy are very real. And we like kind of just put that on the back burner. And this is an example that my dad always gives. You know, it's like it's like this man who's a Christian and he loves the Lord. And he's like, oh, yes. And I'm going to go fight in the enemy. And he goes into, you know, a club where there's a bunch of like. You know, girls doing crazy stuff and there's a bunch of people drinking. He's like, and I'm going to combat the enemy here. I'm going to show him just how strong I am as I stand on the front lines. And we, we put ourselves in, in, in tempting situations, realizing that what we're really doing is dulling our minds. We're not being sober minded to, to, to the works of the enemy, knowing that in those places um, that we allow ourselves to go to because we want to be, quote unquote, strong in the Lord. Um, we, we, we start to be tempted ourselves and we start to fall into his very own ways. Yeah, it, it's it's. um. It's definitely not an easy war that we're fighting. Yeah. It's definitely something that um, takes a lot 
of strength, but it yeah. can't be our own strength. Yeah. And, um, you know, as you had brought up that, um, that the enemy's tactic of fighting is lies. Yeah. The other thing that he does and that he's very good at is dividing the church. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that a lot recently, yeah. but I feel like I've been seeing it a lot, especially. Oh, if, yes, bro. Have you been on like TikTok or anything like that, dude? Yes, bro. And oh my gosh. <laughs> Go off on it, bro. Christian, Christian TikTok, for those that um that don't know, um, TikTok is almost like a, a social media, yeah. almost like an Instagram and stuff like that, where you share videos and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But there's a certain side of TikTok that has been, that, that is Christian. Yeah. You have a bunch of Christian content creators and at first, I loved Christian TikTok. Like, I yeah. loved it, dude. I was like, bro, people are preaching. Yeah. I'm learning things, right? For sure. And then all of a sudden, what starts to happen? Now we're arguing with each other mm. through social media. You see, you know, Calvinists, Arminians. And yeah. I'm not here to bash any of those. Yeah. Of course, we are, they're Christians. They're our brothers. Yeah. But we spend too much time fighting each other mm. through social media rather than fighting the actual problem. Yeah. And this is how you know that the enemy is working. Yeah, and it's, it's funny that you say that because just like you said in the Garden of Eden, what did what did this the enemy start to do? He started to twist the words of God to make us believe contrary to what he said. And it's so crazy that in John 17, that passage that we read at the beginning of this conversation, the very thing that Jesus is praying is unity. And he's saying that out of the abundance of this unity, the, the whole world will know that I came. And it's the very thing the enemy has convinced us is what we don't need to be doing, that we need to be bashing each other. Oh, that you're Pentecostal and you're a Baptist and you're Calvinist and you're Arminian. And we, we start to come for each other's theology when really we're all supposed to be united under the one thing that is the blood of Jesus that makes us brothers and sisters. And the very thing that God, you know, just pressed onto us is the very thing that the enemy is trying to rip away from us. Yeah. And, and just so that we're we're clear, because I know that you're that you're not saying it, and I'm definitely not saying it. Yeah. That Calvinism, Arminianism, <laughs> denominations, that these things are not important. We believe that they are yeah, important. Yeah, for sure. But at the end of the day, there's a bigger thing that we yeah. unite under. Yeah. That at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what denomination you belong to. Of yeah. course, church history, denominations, yeah, theology, it, it all matters. It matters. Yeah. It's so important to us. But at the end of the day, it's like okay. But now we're fighting each other too yeah. much. You know what I mean? And now, I, heard, I heard it said this way that we should major on the majors and minor on the minors. And what does that mean? Of if anything, we're supposed to come together on one thing. That's that that's the the cross, the the death and the the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Trinity. Like the major theological points. As for the minors, I mean, let them fall by the wayside. Yes, we can have you know conversation about them, but if anything, we're supposed to be uniting on the biggest thing, which is Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I think Paul kind of, he, he, he kind of warns the church of this deceitful nature yeah. that the enemy has yeah. and how he's going to try and divide us. And he says this, and he even brings up Eve. Yeah. He says um, in 2 Corinthians eleven three, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, you see how even Paul says he's smart yeah. right by his trickery. As the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a seer and pure devotion to Christ. He's afraid yeah. of that. He's afraid that in the same way that Eve was tricked, so also the church will be tricked as well. Yeah. And I think the, the fear that Paul had, you know, it resonates through time. Because we see it today, like just like you said, it's not just it's not just the church in Corinth that was struggling with unity or that was struggling with loving one another or that was struggling with, you know, balancing out the manifestation of the gifts in light of love and unity. You know, we, we still see that today in the church as a challenge that we that we need to press into every day. And Paul's fear was that 
they were going to be led astray by the enemy. And I, I think that, you know, as it talks about in First Peter, we too need to be very aware what is the enemy doing? And specifically speaking to leaders, we as leaders of the church really need to see what the enemy is trying to do to the church. You know, like some some people might say, oh, that we need to side with this person or that person if there's an issue in the church. But ultimately, as leaders, I think it's our job to be responsible and say, if we're really caring for the sheep, if we're really caring for our flock, if we're really caring for the people that we lead and their growth in Christ and their maturation, we really need to look, okay, how is the enemy trying to divide us? And and it's, and just lead us away from that which Jesus prayed over us in John seventeen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm and I'm happy that you bring that up because it goes so well into our next point yeah. of us being aware. Yeah, it's, we understand how the enemy fights. Right yeah. now that we we know and we see how the enemy fights, mm -hmm. there's a way that we fight as yeah. well. Right. This isn't just a a one sided battle where we're getting constantly beat down. Right. The Bible kind of supplies us. Yeah. with the tools that we need in order to fight these battles so and um we, we you and me had actually touched on this we kind yeah. of like i don't know how to put it like our minds just came mm. in sync because yeah. we both bought one accord yeah exactly where i was talking first samuel 30 and you brought up joshua 5 yeah and um i don't know if you want to touch on joshua yeah, 5 a little man. bit so man. in joshua 5 it's, it's so beautiful what we see is the is the Israelites are waiting to take the promised land of Jericho and the city to, to make it the epicenter of where, you know, Israel will sprout out from, which is Jerusalem. And as they are there um, and they await to, to do this, the first thing that Joshua does is he aligns with the presence of the Lord. And I think that's our first point with just like the tactics. Okay, we know the tactics of the enemy and we understand our enemy because it's, it's important to understand your enemy and how your enemy works. It's the only way that you're ever going to have a hope of defeating your enemy in war. And it's the same thing with a spiritual battle. But now that we understand the tactics of the enemy, the word of God also gives us instruction as to how we must fight the enemy. Mm -hmm. And it starts like with Joshua. Um, he aligned with the presence of the Lord. What did he do? He circumcised the uncircumcised. He went into Passover and the angel of the Lord, which is literally the presence of Jesus in the Old Testament, literally comes and meets him as he looks over Jericho. What he did in the Passover was he celebrated the goodness of the Lord, making remembrance of who God was. What he did in circumcision was he, he realigned with covenant with the people. And what that did is it, it attracted the presence of the Lord because he made a resting place for God's presence. He made a resting place for God's presence. It says to us in the Psalms that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Joshua made a resting place and a, a place of habitation for God's presence by way of clearing away all sinfulness, by way of clearing away all impurity, that way Christ might rest. And that's exactly what happened. He aligned himself with God's presence and took strategy from the Lord. I love that, man. Um, one thing that I'm seeing, especially right now, is that there's a connection between what you're saying and what we had talked about last month. Yeah. Um, last month, we talked about realigning with God. So good, bro. And realigning with God means that we have a dependence yeah. on God. And you see that in Joshua and even 1 Samuel 30. Um, 1 Samuel 30, it's almost the same thing. Yeah. Where David, he his wives have been captured. His family has been taken from him. And the first thing that he does before making any decision on yeah. what to do, he says, bring me the ephod. <laughs> Yeah. And if people don't know what the ephod is, what it is, is it's the high priestly robe. Yeah. This is something only the high priest wore. Um, 
and he says, bring it to me. Mm. And he puts it on and he seeks counsel with God before making his first step. So So this is a dependence on God that we need. This is how we fight. It's a dependence on God. So it's understanding that we need that. Yeah, bro. And and it's interesting because in that very passage, right before it talks, it talks about David taking the ephod. It actually says that his own men turned on him and were getting ready to stone him. Yeah. And oftentimes when we find ourselves in like the, 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 temptation of the enemy or like in the situations that we find ourselves because we fall into temptation and we don't know how to escape or we don't know our way out it almost seems like our life turns on itself and like it's like everything that we've ever known starts to turn on us and it's like just as david was was with his men and they were about to stone him the people who were in his camp were coming against him it's almost like our own lives come against us and it seems like everything is caving in but the first thing we need to do before we look to the left or right or down is to look up mm-hmm. is to look up to the lord and seek his counsel seek his wisdom and seek his guidance and that's the only way we'll ever find a way out yeah it's the it's the only thing that can sustain us yeah at the end of the day um like we were talking so about, good, bro. like we were talking about before you know not reading your bible and not praying you start yeah. to feel that how it yeah. drains you yeah right not being in god's presence mm. you you start to feel it at, like I, I don't know if anybody's ever felt like that before but i know i feel it all the time i'll go like a week without reading oh, my bible For and sure. i can tell something's wrong i'm like yeah. bro i don't feel the same right now and um but aligning with god and being in his presence is is what you need it, yeah. It's what helps you win this war um, yeah. because the Bible, even the Bible within itself, it says that this word is living. Hebrews 4, 12, yeah. for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, yeah. piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Yeah. Right? This is how mm. we fight. It's with the word of God. Yeah. It is active. It is sharper than any two edged sword. Yeah. Um, I've sort of forgot like how how it went but in ephesians it talks about how the armor of god yeah, i forgot ephesians the order six, yeah I've, do you do you remember the uh, i don't remember the honestly order. not really i know that we have the uh, the, the shield of faith the shield of faith the, yeah. um I'm so uh, mad I didn't the, put the it shoes in of peace i wonder i don't know why i remember the shoes of peace the sword of the spirit of course which is the word of god is it the helmet of righteousness the helmet of righteousness oh, no breastplate of righteousness breastplate of righteousness the helmet of you gotta go back up you, you want to pull it up yeah, we can pull it up i'm just I got really, my Bible right here bro. i'm just mad i actually we're talking about a war and i didn't put the armor of god <laughs> I'm trying to think. So good, man. it just came to me right now man sinner no oh, man dang bro no the Call whole armor out. of god um so it's stand therefore fasten with the belt of truth around your waist put on the breastplate of righteousness at as shoes for your feet put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace so the shoes of peace mm-hmm. with all these take the shield of faith which w- with which you will be able to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god yeah. bro i'm so mad i didn't put that in there yeah no it's okay because bro what we're talking about there's a context that paul is bringing up in ephesians yeah he's describing a roman soldier mm. right because under roman occupation a Jew, a Roman soldier is something that the Jews would have seen in everyday life. Yeah. And he's sort of explaining that. And he's mm. saying the same way that they're dressed for ready for battle. So you must be as well. Yeah. Because there's a war going on. And yeah. I love that the description of armor perfectly displays that war that's happening. He's like, so you need good, to be bro. ready. Yeah. You know, be fitted with the breastplate of righteousness, with the mm. shoes of peace, you know, mm. and the sword, which is God's word. Um, and I want to hang on that a little bit. God's yeah. word. Mm. What is that? Right. Yeah. For us, for many Christians, it might just be the book. Right. Yeah. It's a compilation of 
how many books? 66? Yeah. Books, 40-something different authors. Yeah. That's what we think when we think the word. Yeah. At least I know a lot of Christians may think that. Yeah. That this is the word in the hold of the Bible. Yeah. But the word is so much more than that. Yeah. The word is Jesus himself. John 1 says that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The fullness of God's essence and who he is, is Jesus. I, I heard it said once like this, and it's so good that everything that God the Father wanted to say about himself was in the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Literally, Jesus is the exegesis of his Father. Oh, he. Write that down. Hold <laughs> up. That's good. No, but seriously, man, he. And what exegesis is, is it's a clear explanation, it's, it's a pointing, and it's a breaking down of the realities of. And he, Jesus is the full exegesis of his Father. He breaks down the realities of the kingdom of his Father, he breaks down the will of his Father, and he is the will of his Father. Here on earth as he you know as he lavishes his love and everything but literally the essence of everything that jesus is is the father and everything that the father is is jesus that they are one just as i keep coming back to john 17 but the essence of who like that oneness and unity really does come from john 17 and it's beautiful because what the word then does as our sword what the word then does as this as this um as this weapon is literally when we speak the word of god over the lies of the enemy when we speak the word of god over temptation when we speak the word of god when the enemy is trying to come at us we're literally manifesting not just words but we're manifesting the presence of jesus himself mm -hmm. and um you know jesus embodiment of the word we know that god's word is truth yeah right and um there was a conversation that jesus has with Pilate. yeah and um it, it was amazing when i read this i was reading another book it was from somebody else i forgot mm -hmm. who but they were bringing up this conversation with Pilate. yeah and um pilot he asked jesus he says so who are you yeah and jesus says who do you think that i am and he says well the people think that um you're a king yeah right? they say that you're the king of jews and yeah. all that stuff and he was like um my kingdom is not of this earth yeah um because if it was they would have already been fighting for me yeah there would be chaos in the streets sure and um he even brings up jesus says again he says everybody on the side of truth listens to me yeah so jesus wasn't just proclaiming the existence of truth he was proclaiming his pristine embodiment of it. yeah yeah right his embodiment of truth he says everyone on the side of truth listens to me yeah so that's how we fight against the lies of the enemy it's with mm -hmm. god's truth yeah which is his word which at the end of the day is it's jesus who he is exactly yeah. john one again in the beginning yeah. was the word the logos yeah. which is what the greeks when, when talking about the existence of the universe and how the universe came to be yeah the greeks would use the word logos that's how the world that's how the world came into being yeah it's so good it was by the word so john says this word that you guys believe created this the universe this word that brought everything into existence is jesus it's so good bro. And it's, yes. it, it, i love i love when they do that you know yeah. when paul did the same thing they had a statue of the unknown god and he yeah. was like that's jesus yeah that's god yeah right he, he'll take what the greeks have sort of made because the greeks they wanted to make sure they got every god down they yeah. were like we need to make sure we didn't miss one this is the unknown <laughs> he god. missed the only one mm -hmm. so paul comes in and he says well the god that you're missing is the only god yeah and john does the same thing this word that you believe created everything i know who that is yeah right um so with god's word is how we battle it's yeah. our sword and it's living yeah right because it died and it rose again and 
we don't fight with a dead God, right? Our yeah. God's not dead. Our God is very much alive. Yeah. And it is by him that we, we fight, we find our strength, we find sustainment, sanctification, yeah. justification. Yeah. This is how we fight our battles. Amen. Come on, you, you better go into the worship now. Pick Amen. up a guitar. I'm, I'm about this to. I don't even know how to play, but I'm about to. I'm battle, hey. man. We battle using God's word and the Amen. word is Christ. Amen, bro. Yes. Thank you guys for tuning into our podcast. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. If you did, don't forget to give us a like, a follow, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with as many people as you know so we can get the word of God out to everyone everywhere. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.